as my brother. So we, here we are in the midst of Jesus' parables in the book of Mark. The king is here, amen? And remember the Pharisees, the religious leaders have hardened their hearts to the good news of the kingdom of God that Jesus is now here. He has now said that he will speak in parables to reveal and conceal. And if you've been with us, you remember the concealing was to bring about God's plan of salvation through what judgment? He will judge those Pharisees in which they will ultimately harden their hearts to the point in which they will crucify the Son of God. And yet he is revealing the kingdom of God in which those who hear and receive this message will bear fruit as these earthly stories have heavenly meanings. Even little children can understand these parables, yet somehow most of the, learn, the, the most learned scholars in the history of the world sometimes have trouble understanding them, right? And the first parable we talked about was the parable of the soils. There are three different types of soils, four soils, but three different types of soils. Some whose heart is hardened. And Matthew tells us that the soil is actually the condition of the heart. And these hardened hearts do not produce fruit because the seed doesn't even get into the soil. These are the seed that is sown on the path and it doesn't even go into the ground and the birds come and eat that soil and then there are some in which produce what looks like fruit this is the second kind of soil but it is not lasting fruit it's quickly swallowed up either by persecution or the, the cares of this world world so the the word of god is sown in the hearts of man and, and, and something happens and they're either persecuted or they have to persevere through suffering and the seed dies. Or the cares of this world cause the seed to be swallowed up. And this is the seed sown in the rocky soil or the seed sown in the thorny soil. And yet, Jesus says, there is a good soil in which people hear, receive, and bear fruit, which then will produce supernatural results, multiplying 30, 60, and even 100 times that which is sown. This is the first parable of the soils that Jesus teaches to his disciples. And the next parable is what we talked about last week. It was making it clear that those who have received the word of God ought to reveal what they have received, meaning the light that they have been given, they need to show to a lost and a dark world. If you thought that we were supposed to conceal this gospel and this good news, you had, would have been wrong. So Jesus clarifies with the disciples on the parable, the light and not hiding this light, but shining for all to see. No, God has called for his church, the people of God, to reveal and show the kingdom of God. And the amount you use or reflect in the word of God that has been sown into your heart, that which God will give you even more and will increase or be added to you in the parable of the measures as we talked about 
last week. So the first parable of the soils is really answering the question, who are kingdom people? Who are the people of God? Those in which hear, receive, and bear fruit, the good soil people. And last week we answered the question, what should kingdom people do? And the kingdom people, they reveal light, they show light, and whatever they have been given, they use, and it will be given even more to them, to the measure in which they were given. And this morning, <clears throat> if we think that somehow we can produce fruit in our own life or produce growth in our life or in someone else's life, to make them produce fruit, we are reminded that God is the one who gives the growth. This is what we entitled the sermon this morning, The King Will Accomplish His Purposes. Now, if you've been following us uh, recently through the book of Mark, you'll, you'll understand that Isaiah has been very helpful at interpreting these parables to help us understand what Jesus is talking about. And this morning is no different as the parable we we will see here will describe God's plan to produce fruit through the word of God. Isaiah 61, 11 says this, For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, And as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Amen? The Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. The knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk 2.14 will come to fruition. So with that, we're going to open up to Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, the parable of the seed growing. If you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's word, we're going to read it together. It is on the screen behind you, but you can look at your copy in front of you. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 says this. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You can be seated. Father, we just thank you for (coughs) your word and your truth that is not returned void or empty. We pray, Father, that this morning that as people hear the word of God and they hear this parable, that they will understand your work and that the work in the hearts of the people of God through the word of God. And, and Father, we just ask that you would remind us, Father, that we need to rely completely upon you. That it's not in our own effort, it's not in our own strength, it's not in our own goodness, that we can see people saved. 
and grow in the knowledge of you. And we pray, Father, that our reliance and trust will humbly be completely upon you in the growth of not only this church, but in our lives as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's a movie called Faith Like Potatoes. I like the movie. I don't, I don't know much about farming and agriculture, but I like this movie because you have this farmer who's struggling. He's had a few dry seasons in his life. Maybe you can relate to this farmer. He's had a, a few struggles, right, in his, in his job, in his performance, in everything that he is doing. He is struggling. The rain hasn't come for days. And he becomes desperate. And he decides to do the riskiest move that a farmer could do, I guess, understanding uh, farming, which I don't, I don't know a whole lot about. He decides to plant potatoes. And it's a risky move because the potatoes are more expensive, but the, the crop, if it grows, it, it will produce a greater yield for him and his family. And he's about to lose his farm, he's about to lose his land, <clears throat> and there's no guarantee that the potatoes that he planted will produce fruit. Potatoes are like most crops, right? You plant them, you cover them with dirt, and you pray for rain, right? <laughs> That's kind of what you do. <laughs> but unlike most crops, you can't see the plant coming in. You can't see if it's, if it's producing fruit, if the seed is actually producing a potato. Why? Because they're under the earth. It, it takes faith to understand that the harvest will come even if you cannot see the plant being produced because it's under the dirt. This is a lot like the kingdom of God. We sow seeds and sometimes we don't know. Is it producing fruit? Lord, is it producing fruit in my children? Is it producing fruit in my church? Is it producing fruit in my community group? Is it producing fruit in my own heart? And sometimes as sowers, we're not sure if it will produce a harvest. But just like this man in this movie, we must trust in God. (laughs) Right? That he will produce fruit even when we cannot see it. He will provide a harvest of righteousness. How many of you, when you share the gospel or share the truth about who Jesus is, sometimes feel like, maybe maybe you feel like me sometimes and think, I didn't didn't do it well enough or maybe I wasn't persuasive enough. You, you, You almost take it personally when someone doesn't come to Christ. I didn't, I didn't invest enough in their life. I didn't love them enough. And, and, and we're going to Africa this week, and the struggle is real, right? Like, not even knowing the language. These guys, two guys talked about it. Like, am I doing it right? Do I know enough about the Muslim culture? Yet this parable is for all of us who think somehow we can manipulate growth in someone's life. The answer is we can't. We need to trust God that the seed sown in the truth of the word of God is enough to produce a harvest in someone's life. It is God who will give the growth. And we, we need to sleep well. 
knowing that God is at work. We sleep and we rise and it produces fruit and we know not how. You see, our job as the believers, the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to sow the seeds of the word of God into the hearts of people and trust God with the results. Can you trust him with the results? Verse 26, what does it say? And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. This is our first point this morning. It's thus. The king's followers, they will proclaim the gospel. They will. They will scatter seeds of the word of God. And from the beginning with Jesus' disciples until now, they have sown seeds of the word of God, the good news message of the kingdom of God. That's why you're here. Somebody sowed seeds of the word of God in your life. May it be a pastor or your parents or somebody, a Sunday school teacher, somebody sowed those seeds. The first words of the parable begin with, the kingdom of God is as if, interesting as Jesus has said in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is here. And he calls them to repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe in the gospel. The words the kingdom of God is explaining God's rule and his reign. God's rule and reign, his kingdom is actually here. Why? Because God can now rule and reign over his people. What's the opposite of God, the kingdom of God? It's the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of darkness, the, the kingdom of Satan. You see, the King Jesus comes back to take his kingdom and initiate the kingdom of God. And he does throw through his death and resurrection, just like a seed dies in the ground to produce fruit. Guess what? Jesus died. He was buried in the ground so that... And he rose again so that you could die and live in him. Amen? You see it? The centerpiece of all of scripture is about the kingdom of God. That it is coming from heaven to earth in the form of Jesus Christ to initiate this kingdom. In which you can now reflect the glory of God. In Revelation the centerpiece of the chiastic structure in Revelation is this. Revelation eleven fifteen. The seventh angel blew his trumpet and there was a loud voice in heaven saying, guess what? The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of the Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. That's the centerpiece. The kingdom of the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Amen? That's the good news. That's the gospel. The king is here. 
And now this gospel that God's kingdom is being established by making new creations who are filled with the spirit of the living God, whose sins are washed away, now becomes the message that God would sow seeds on the earth through his people and they would sprout people who reflect the glory of God. God's plan of salvation is here, and it is King Jesus. How do we not declare this gospel? God has set up his kingdom, and he wants you to be a part of it. Notice, In verse 26, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Notice in the parable, there is not an emphasis on the sower. It doesn't tell us how much knowledge he has. It doesn't tell us how much training he had, whether he knows when the best time is to toss the seed or if he's tossing the seed in the right form, if he has the right spread. No, he is tossing the seed. All it says to us is the sower went and sowed seed. The seed of the word of God is sown. We know the word of God was referred back into the parable of the soils. So what does the word of God say? It says the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ has come. The kingdom of this world is being taken over by the kingdom of God. God created, God is good, God cares, God made a way, and God wants to give you a new life in Christ Jesus. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's Jesus' message. The kingdom of God is here, repent and believe in the gospel. That's it. The seed is scattered, and you are sent to scatter that seed. Simple truths of who God is, and what he has done. Isaiah 55, 10 brings it to life. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing in which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands instead of the thorn. Going back to Genesis chapter 3, the curse. Instead of the thorn shall come the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the Lord was going to do it, right? And how does he do it? Through his word. The scattered seed sown on the earth. God will do it. He will accomplish his purpose. He will fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. He will accomplish his purpose and it will come about through his word. It will not return to him empty. Verse 26 or 27 
He sleeps and he rises night and day, speaking of the sower, and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. This is our second point this morning. God will produce the fruit. God will give the growth. God will produce the fruit in our lives. You see, the sower doesn't know how the seed grows, but it does. Why? Because all glory is to God who produces growth in our life. And we're speaking of spiritual growth, right? It's not your pastor. It's not your church. It's not how much you discipline yourself or your knowledge, but it is the Lord who gives the growth, producing the fruit in your life. 1 Corinthians 3, 5, Paul says this, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants from whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. He wants you to make sure you understand. Who is it that produces the growth? Neither he who plants nor waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. These are servants of the living God who are doing what he's called them to do by planting the seeds and watering. But it is God who gives the growth. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. It is God who gives the growth. Excuse me. So what does the sower do? He sleeps and he rises. You know, there are a lot of ministries and churches out there, and I've been guilty of thinking this type of thinking before, but they think if we just worked harder, if we if we just were more with the times, if we if we just had the right music, if we just we're more appealing than we have more people in our church, right? If we just did all of these things just right, well, that's nice and maybe even true to some extent. But there is no human strategy that can produce growth in the life of a Christian. You cannot produce new life on your own ingenuity. No one can cause spiritual growth through the means of human effort. It is only God who does that. Now, yes, we are all things to all people in order that we might save some. Yes, we do everything we can when we scatter the seeds to put no stumbling blocks in someone's path to receive that message. But we have to understand that it is not on our shoulders to produce the fruit in someone's life, it is God that produces the fruit. Only the Lord gives new life. As as David read earlier in John chapter 6, verse 65, and he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. You see, the idea that we can somehow manipulate people into growth is a prevalent one in today's Christian culture. If we can somehow concoct an emotional connection, or if we can meet some sort of felt need, then the gospel might take root in the life of a person. In many cases, 
We even water down the gospel in order for them to try to receive it easier. What does that look like? Watered down gospel would look something like this. Would you like to, to, to receive Jesus? He'll fix all your problems. Would you like to be happy? Would you, would you like Jesus to fix your marriage? Would you like purpose in your life? Do you want some friends? Do you want to not be lonely? Do you want to go to heaven? Well, come to church. But, but really, what we're doing is we're just playing to one's self-centered ideas. Because after receiving it with joy, with the promise of a better life, then when stuff gets hard, they end up becoming the seed that's sown in the rocky soil. Because when things become difficult, they quickly deconstruct. Because instead of the gospel being about how great God is and his glorious salvation, this watered down, broken gospel becomes somehow about how great God can make you. And thus your growth becomes some sort of self-improvement rather than a God-given growth. And this leads to all sorts of problems in the life of Christians today. So instead of how wonderful, how marvelous our God is and his salvation of me as sinner, it's just like, God, you know, he's just okay. He just didn't fix all my problems. Maybe I just need to work harder and self-improve. And instead of genuine experiences of the renewal of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people that are characterized as God-centered repentance and faith, no, it's me-centered. And saying, I want God for myself. I want God to do these things for me. And the sinner doesn't really get who God is. And his faith is not rooted and it becomes shallow and it becomes scorched by the heat and the sufferings in this world. You see the sinner who comes before God like the tax collector humbly saying, God, give me mercy. The sinner and understands the grace that God is giving them. They respond in deep roots. When the trial comes, they trust in God. You see, growth shouldn't be the goal of a Christian. If growing in Christ becomes the goal, then we're in danger of bettering ourselves for our own interest. Knowing Christ and having an intimate relationship with God should be the goal. Why? Because that will produce fruit in our life. Peter says it like this, 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. And if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. A baby doesn't say, oh, I need this milk so that I can grow. No, he tastes the sweet goodness of the milk. And as a result of tasting and desiring the milk, he grows. The goal is to taste and the goodness of God, the nectar of his goodness in the gospel. And then we will grow. 
But sometimes we get that backwards and say, no, I need to grow, so I need to do all these things to try to grow. No, taste the goodness of God. Rest in the beauty of God's grace in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Enjoying God and desiring him is the goal. Love Christ should be the goal. And loving Christ, you will grow up into your salvation. And often people want this fast growth in their spiritual life. In this microwave culture, this instant impact culture that we're in. People are expecting to see immediate results of fruit. And that sometimes happens. People in their life, they experience the Lord. They, they, they find the knowledge of sal- salvific knowledge of who God is and their heart is transformed and immediately they want to stop doing drugs or immediately they want to stop living a life of sin. And yet, often the kingdom of God is normal growth. Just like we see in the parable here. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. More often than you know, the Lord humbles you. You allow the Holy Spirit to lead your life in certain areas, and you begin to look like Christ in certain aspects of your life. But all of those things, if God gives it to you immediately, or he grows you over time and sanctifies you by his word, it's done because it's God's work. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Literally, the Lord your God will cut out the old and give you a new heart. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, and I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God gives us this growth, this sanctification, this new heart to desire to walk with God to produce fruit in our life. This is the promise of the new Covenant in which heart work is God's work. Jeremiah chapter 31, 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Well, I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. God will accomplish his purpose in your life. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion, will he not? He will bring about the growth in your life, continuing for us to humble ourselves and allow the Lord to, and his spirit to lead us. God will accomplish his purpose and the knowledge of the glory of God will fill the earth 
as the waters cover the sea. Isn't it nice to know that it's not on your shoulders to produce growth? But we sure should be on our knees praying and asking the Lord of the harvest to produce growth in our lives and the lives of people that we love. Yeah, he's excited about that. I'm excited about it. Let's get it. Verse 29. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. The grain is ripe. At once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This is our third point this morning. The king will have his harvest. The king will have a harvest. And it will be his harvest. It's not our harvest. It's his harvest. Even though the sower cannot take credit for the growth, he can enjoy the harvest. Can he not? Just like someone who sows the seed of the gospel in someone else's life can't take credit that person, that that person was saved or that person discipled someone can't take credit for the growth of that person. They can enjoy the fruits of the harvest. Why? That comes in the form of fellowship, in the, the life of the believers. We rejoice when someone's baptized. We rejoice when someone comes into the fellowship and decides to be a member of the church. We rejoice when we see fruit in people's lives. The harvest, in the harvest there is rejoicing. When the word of God is sown in the lives of people and they die to self and live for Christ, it is a glorious thing. They produce a fruit that can be enjoyed by all Even the last five years, I've experienced this type of growth in the lives of you, God's church here at Northwest. What a joy it is to pastor this church and experience the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control of God's people who are bearing fruit. I can testify to that. Are you perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. But we are all growing in Christ Jesus together. But I experienced that in great ways as a pastor. We're experiencing that this week, right? One of our members even spent the night with, her, with my mom last night. She broke her hip this week. She's out for a while. Been in the hospital this week. We're experiencing love and giving people, wanting to help. That's great. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1 says this, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali, that's the land of Galilee. But in the latter times he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. 
as they are glad when they divide the spoil. The joy of the harvest is the fruit of the fellowship in the church. And we rejoice because we reap that harvest together as the people of God, even though God gives the growth. God's people are meant to enjoy in the kingdom of God that type of sweet fellowship. But just as I believe there is a positive harvest in the kingdom of God, there is also in the scriptures a harvest of God's judgment. Joel chapter 3 verse 13, put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full, the vats overflow, for their evil is great. Revelation chapter 14 verse 14, then I looked and behold a white cloud and seated on the cloud one like the son of man with a golden crown on his head, a, a sharp sickle in his hand. A sickle is something that cuts the wheat. Sharp knife. And another angel came out of the temple calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap. For the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the clouds swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, the angel who had authority over the fire, and he called out in a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, put in your sickle, and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city. The blood flowed from the winepress as high as the horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. So the, the harvest has a dual kind of theme in scripture the lord of the harvest brings in those who produce fruit and are useful for the kingdom of god but those who do not produce fruit just like the tree in which does not produce fruit must be cut down there is a harvest of god's wrath and his judgment upon those who have rejected the very son of god those who have not heard, received, and bore fruit, they will be judged. You see, God's plan of those created in the image of God is to reflect his glory by bearing fruit. And this has come about through the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ coming to earth. So the question is, will you fulfill God's purpose or will you choose to go your own way? There will be a coming judgment and those who reject the word of God in their hearts will receive a judgment. But those in whom are willing to humble themselves to receive the words of Christ, they will rejoice at the harvest because their names are written 
in the Lamb's book of life. You see, God will accomplish his purposes. His word will not return void. Allow ourselves to humble ourselves to receive the word and bear fruit through God's work in our life. Let us humbly get on our knees for our brothers and sisters in Christ and for those who are not in Christ that the Lord would produce in them a heart that hears, receives, and bears fruit because he is really the only one that can do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you will accomplish your purposes and that your word will do that which you have sent it to do. We thank you for the testimony of your church in this room, the testimony of believers that have been humbled by the word of God in their own lives. That they've died to self and they live for Christ. That the fruit of the spirit is enacted in their life and they have seen that fruit. And Father, help us to be humble and remembering that we, we as the people of God cannot produce fruit. But we need you. And Father, help us to be faithful sowers of that word, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to not think of ourselves as uh, better than or worse than we need to be when we sow the seeds of the gospel. Help us to be people who sow the seeds faithfully of the kingdom of God. Help us to declare the kingdom of God in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools, in our own hearts. That the king has come and that he has made a way for us to live righteously to bear fruit and help us to rejoice in that. Lord, help some of our people this week to rest and sleep well, knowing that the king is in charge. He's the God of their hearts as well as the God of those that they love who do not know you you yet. Help us to humbly plead as the people of God for your work of salvation. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word and your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you want to respond to the word this morning, if you'll stand